You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Kirk. Hey. We have been talking about certain things lately. Yeah. And I, I didn't I didn't preface this with you. I'm just diving into it because I'm all hot and bothered and fired up. We've been talking about the idea that we set our own limits rather than removing them and kind of moving up to our ceiling limits. So we had talked about that guy who had beaten Elliot Kachogi in a marathon because he said he was going to do it. And he yep. beat him first guy to beat him in, in seven years. Well, as we've also talked about on here, the 5K and 10K world record on the track were broken this year mm-hmm. in the span of a few months by the same guy. Um, he's an animal. His name is Joshua Cheptegei. He's young. He's a stud. In the past year now, he's won world cross-country championships, set the road 15K world record, set the track 10K world record, and the track 5K world record. 1236 and 2609, I think, or 2610, 2611. Anyways, destroyed three world records in the same in 2020 and one world cross country, which is the single hardest race to win out maybe of all because Mm -hmm. it's every African stud runner. That's what they grew up dreaming to do. Yes. He jumped into the world half marathon championships, which was this past weekend. So he is the world cross country champion, 5k, 10k, 15k world record holders. And he took fourth. He was anointed again before the race. All the talk was not, is he going to win? It's, is he going to set the half marathon world record? Uh-huh. He's never run a half marathon before, but everyone just saw the pieces of, on paper that showed he can do this and he can do that. He's going to crush the world record. His countrymen beat him. Really? And upset probably somebody that he has beaten countless times in races. Yeah. They went one, two at world cross country. This guy took second to him is a hungry young lion. And he's young and he didn't listen to the hype that <laughs> this guy's going to set the world record. He went out thinking, I'm probably going to set the world record. And he didn't, but he ran, I think, the fourth fastest time ever and won a world championship. So again, it just reiterates the fact that we can't give things away before we actually prove them right or wrong. We've just got to assume we're better than that and keep going after it. How did the race play out? They were all together for a while. It was not great weather, cold, windy. I don't know if it was rainy or not. And so it slowed it down a bit from the gun and then it built and they negative split and closed in, you know, 13 something low. Casual. And he got dropped. And he, yeah, I mean, he he didn't drop too bad, but he couldn't close with them. I like hearing that. Did you, um, did you see last week? I had an athlete who was racing the Moab 200. No, I didn't see that. It's really the Moab 200 is really the Moab 240, which 240. is a two, yeah, which is like a 240 mile foot race. Usually takes somewhere in like the five day range, I believe. Um, and Goggins, good old David Goggins, is out there. This is his thing. The thing I used to get sick of David Goggins like social media because it's the same like calculated facade. Yep, but it's not a facade. I mean, this guy it is and it isn't. It, it, he's out there actually doing it. And so when I heard this story, 
about how the Moab 200 went down this last week. I was, um, I was just interested in it. For one, Goggins is doing these real like long events mm-hmm. and he's a non suck it up kind of no excuses attitude, which you got to appreciate. But apparently Goggins took second, which is amazing. The guy sleeps like two hours in five days. And it's like one of the most ridiculous feats you can ever possibly do. However, um, this guy was sitting on his ass for the first two, two and a half days. And I guess Goggins, <laughs> yeah, two and a half days, right? And so Goggins had enough and Goggins is the heavy favorite. And he turns around and he just cusses the guy out, like tears him a new a-hole on the course. They almost got into it, like quit sucking on me, blah, blah, blah. And they got into it. Well, apparently this lit this dude's fire, who I'm not sure if, you know, somebody else would probably know more about the super ultra world than I will, but lit a, lit a fire under this guy's butt. And the guy that got chewed out just buried Goggins and left him in his dust. And, uh, and I think Goggins gave him a little fuel there by mm-hmm. cussing him out. And, and that was that. And, and maybe that gentleman was sitting behind Goggins, not thinking he could win and just hanging on for dear life. But when he, something innate came out of him and uh, he put Goggins in the hurt locker and ended up uh, winning. I wish I knew the gentleman's name. Maybe he's more accomplished than I think, but I just thought that story was interesting and also a miserably amazing race. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting on so many levels, but the one that jumps out at me is the idea that not leading is not being tough, that there's dishonor and not leading. I, I don't agree with that. Here's the thing. Only one person can lead, right? right? So if by that logic, no one else is tough. Right. Now, what if this guy had never run that far? What we don't, I don't know who this is. Maybe, maybe if I look at the results, I'll recognize, but what if that person was cramping? What if that person was hitting a really low? I, I mean, there's so many reasons that you're not leading and, mm-hmm. and it's also sometimes just intelligent. So can you be, can you imagine though, like <laughs> two and a half days though is extreme. <laughs> it was like something like that. Now, again, I'm embellishing or I'm, I'm just paraphrasing what I mm-hmm. heard from my, my athlete who was out there, did it, who DNF'd, but he gave it a good run, but um, how far do you make it? Oh, not very far. He started vomiting at uh, mile like 31 already. And then oh, his fitness is so good. But uh, shout out to Nick. Nick, you're going to get him next year. Um, but anyways, just being yeah. like, are you get, you, it bothers you when people suck on you for like two minutes. Imagine having somebody clipping at your heels for two days. Uh, so speaking of ultras, our very own Amelia Boone ran Big's Ultra World Championship. This I saw a post about that. Yeah, and she did very well. This is this is hands down her best result since she left the sport of being healthy and and active. She's back. I would say this is the I'm back of Amelia Boone's career. She made it, I think, 133 miles before she dropped. Oh boy, 131, something like that. And the race is still going on. And Courtney DeWalter's leading at 229 miles right now. My goodness, what's the setup of the race? It is a five mile, four or five ish. It, it's a, it's an odd number, but basically it's set up so that every hour you complete a lap and the, a lap goes off every hour. And if you make it 24 hours, it's a hundred miles. Hmm. So that that's the distance that's set up. So it's like five ish miles or something like that. However, however much you get t- done, it's one of those backyard ultras. So it's a lap and you recover or rest or sleep or eat in whatever time you have after your last lap. And their average lap times were something like 45 to 50 minutes in there. So you oh, have yeah. 10 to 15 minutes to do all of your rest, recovery, sleep, hydrate, go to the bathroom in between each lap. Oh my goodness. And she's on, she's on mile 229 right now. That's incredible. So you either don't make the time cut off for that hour and you're, you're out or you bow out. I yeah. Assume. And there is down to two people right now. That sounds so miserable. I can't even imagine. In fact, I'm going to refresh right now. Can you imagine taking five minute naps? 
going yep. from a dead run to a nap and trying to live life for days at a time like that. It's bizarre. You know what the interesting thing was? The first six people to DNF were men out of the, from the U.S. team. Oh, we're a bunch of wimps. Women are definitely tougher than men. So it's, uh, the U.S. team is down to two men. I mean, two people, Harvey Lewis and Courtney Dowalter, and they're both at 229 miles. It's incredible. The race time now is at 46 and a half hours. I am convinced that women can go into a darker place than men. They certainly show the ability over and over to. Listen, I can't shove something the size of like a basketball out of any hole in my body without without crying. You know, I don't know. I'm impressed. It's, it's not for lack of trying. It is not. Okay, so um, little little more little more limited window today. I got to get to work, and we're hustling on these busy lives. But Bracken, can you tell the people this is going to segue into our topic today? We're going to segue today. Actually, look at this. We're going to segue properly today. So tell the people what you did this morning. I did two things. First of all, I ran my first actual hard effort on flat ground since surgery. Mm-hmm. Second, I ran my first time trial since surgery. The 5K time trial. 5K time trial. I would like to read a text from Bracken that I got last night. <laughs> which which one? <laughs> uh, not, the one after, not, not the one after midnight. Yeah, the, okay. one, the one before. You can't read a picture message. I've done 15 runs, Bracken says. Am I crazy to do a 5K time trial tomorrow? Question mark. This is yesterday at three in the afternoon. I say, you're crazy not to. And you say, ha ha, tomorrow it is. And I said, heck yeah, message me before and after. Will do. All right. Now that may seem like a simple text to you folks, but it's not a so simple text, is it Bracken? No. What were you doing there? Ah. <sighs> I was equal parts looking for permission to do it and permission to postpone it because okay. I, I, I wanted to practice what we preach, which is when you get to a place of stable fitness and health, even if it's at the beginning of a training cycle, you set your baseline fit, fitness metrics and your, you set your mental barometer. You dial it in towards due north of toughness and being mentally locked in. And a 5K time trial, you can't fake, and you have to be ready physically in terms of health, and you have to be ready to endure d- discomfort. There's a million reasons to not do something. A yes. million. There's always going to be a reason to justify not doing something, in particular, something that is uncomfortable and something that probably isn't even going to be very satisfying with where your fitness is currently at. You know, you're not going to run a PR. Right. You know that you're not prepared for that kind of pain for that long. And you know that it's easy to dip out. So you got ahead of it and you sent me a message. And then after we messaged, you then committed in your mind. And then what did you do? And then I posted on social media. Now you're screwed. Now you I, have to. Yeah. yeah. I'm no social media star, but I have enough of a following that there were going to be several thousand people that were going to view my, I'm going to do a time trial tomorrow, predict my time. You can skate on one person if you don't respect them. Now I respect Kirk, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bail on my promise. Even though it wasn't a promise to him, it was a promise to me through him. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not gonna bail on that promise through him. But if I didn't respect my accountability partner, maybe I bail on it or modify the workout or drop after mile two, which is that's really the that's the that's the uh, most likely <laughs> scenario right there. Dropping at mile one and a half to two is is the danger zone of all 5k time trials but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk the continued narrative of bracken's not a finisher which was set into motion at the tahoe ultra last year when i dnf'd 
So I, I put it out on social media, had people predict my time, and then it doesn't matter what I want to do at that point. <laughs> I got to go out and get that damn workout done. Um, out of curiosity, what was the fastest predicted time somebody gave you and what was the slowest predicted time? I saw 1520, someone predicted. Slowest was 29 minutes. <laughs> I, said, I, I, I assume you're going to have to not work hard 29 minutes. So after that, I posted, I said, of my runs, my fastest mile split in any run has been 740. So the people realized 1520 is out of the question. <laughs> I only broke eight, four times in the last 15 runs. Wow. And then they also knew that I'm also not going to run 29 minutes <laughs> because you can power walk that. Yeah, you can. Maybe. Well, uh, think... maybe not. You can't. You can't power walk 29. Mm, I can't. A power walker could. I can't. Might dislocate a hip or something. Yeah. So tell the people, what was your first, five, first 5K time trial in m many moons? It was 1738. I thought you were going to just crack 17. I thought you were going to go 1658. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> but that's like 1658 is my... I'm not in great shape or I'm not, I'm not in good shape running. If I'm, if I'm physically active, but I'm not in great running shape, I can run 1640 to 1659. But this is still seven months of not running. Mm -hmm. Add to that five months of running two to three times per week prior to that mitigating my injury. So it's right. almost a year. Every run I've done for four straight weekends was the longest run I've done in a year. So it's really been a year of not actual training. Sure. So anyways, I was I was actually very happy with it. I went 535, 552, 543. Oh, so that second mile got you a little bit. It, it kind of, it didn't get me necessarily. I didn't, I didn't know what it should be feeling like. And I initially didn't increase my effort at the start of mile two in order to just keep the same pace, which you have to do as you fatigue. And it's a, it's a windier, um, it's, it's the toughest mile. It's not a mm. tough mile, but it's the toughest mile. So the first mile is a little quick. It was probably effort-wise, like 545, 545, 540. Okay. But I didn't like I didn't get slower and slower. I was able to to just run a little better that third mile. Are you happy with it? I'm very happy because I didn't hurt in a structural way. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I ran hard for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And didn't have something in the back of my mind thinking, well, I'm going to pay for this later. Right. It was so relieving. And you know, I mean, at, at your peak fitness in Spartan race, you are, you've been two minutes faster probably in a 5k time yep. trial. So, and you knew that was going to be the result and you still went out and did it, right? I ran this course because this was the, it was a cross country course. Oh, you're, oh, you're on soft terrain. Yeah. 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 I was running off road. Awesome. It's not off road. I was running on grass. So this and we <laughs> we want to build an excuse is it rained last night <laughs> it didn't matter i wore the i wore the irox uh this was the course where i ran my fastest 5k time trial i ran 16 flat on this course in 2014. okay so today's episode folks is all about accountability and your time trial is fitting we call we we've jokingly talked about or in passing about accountability texts that we hold with each other mm -hmm. I think constantly it's like we, we are lucky enough to have each other that way to hold each other accountable, but not everybody does. And I think it's pivotal to we've had the conversation about one, it's OK to proclaim what you intend to do mm -hmm. publicly to a friend on social media, to the world. It doesn't matter. And then go do it. It's not being arrogant or cocky or braggadocious if your heart is truly intent on doing something and you believe it. So one, tell the world what you're going to do. And you did that. 
mm-hmm. by putting out an Instagram poll, which is just, which is stupid, but it's, it's the age we're in and it held you accountable. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think this is something that a lot of people are like these lone wolves out there with families or a big, you know, busy jobs and lives that are stressful. And they're just grinding ahead, not wanting to bother anybody, not, I don't know, really just doing their own thing. And I believe that people are missing out. And I believe it's a reason why a lot of people cut corners. And I believe that developing a community, specifically accountability partners, is I'm going to say pivotal to people's success. Most people need that in order to better themselves. And so we'd want to dive into that today in particular. Yeah. I went back two weekends ago and I made a list of the times I have been in my best fitness and had my best racing results. And they weren't necessarily the best, the same times, but my three highest points of fitness in my adult life post-collegially and my three highest points of performance post-collegially. And some of them overlapped, some didn't, but they, they shared similar characteristics and all of them, I was doing structured, progressive speed work. In all of them, I was doing sports-specific terrain and style of workout. In all of them, I was doing some sort of strength training. It wasn't always power training. Sometimes it was functional. Sometimes it was circuit. But I was always physically strong. Okay. And I always did time trials. And I always had training partners. That's four things. Oh, you were saying the three best fitness in your life. Yeah. So those are five points. Right. So I had speed work. I had race-specific work. I had strength work, I had time trials, frequent time trials, and I had training partners. And then I compared it over the last three years and I was missing several pieces of those. And and so anyone who has a training partner does not have to seek out their accountability partner as much because every day you meet together and you do your work and you do that. And that's fantastic. But if you don't have a training partner and you want to do the other four pieces of that, intentional speed work, time trials, strength work, sports specific work that's maybe not as fun, like you're seeking out muddy terrain or hilly terrain or off-road or compromised runs, things that aren't fun, you need a support system. But more than that, you need accountability partners. And I don't think there's a way around that. If you're going to train alone, or with people who are way above or way below your fitness level, you have to have at least one person in your life who is your accountability partner. Well, the grind is so glorified, you know, putting your head down and doing the work and not showing vulnerability or dread of certain workouts or the process can be hard and not admitting that you could use some help is a way a lot of guys go. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of men are worse about it than the women I know. Um, and it's just such, I mean, the one word accountability is the reason I even have a job. It's the reason I have a personal training business. It's the reason I'm a coach. It's the reason you're a coach. Accountability is the one word that it all comes back to. Yes. You, you can't deny that. And if you don't have a coach, because then we're built in accountability, we are your training partner. We are, you know, we're going to make sure you do it. Then the next best step is creating that network. Um I know this the Spartan world in particular, the trail world, really good at making like social networks. And I think there's a whole host of people that are good at taking advantage of that. And then I bet you half of you out there listening haven't run with somebody in a year. You haven't told anybody about what's coming up or what your plans are, what you want to achieve and talk about your goals and dreams and hopes. And you're probably the guy skipping 5K time trials, pushing intervals back when you should be doing them, not showing up for yourself as often as you should. 
and you're the person we're talking to today. Like, step out of your shell. It's time to ask for some help. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. right. So, Kirk, you are one of those for me. In fact, yeah. you are probably my biggest one. And yeah. it's strange because I consider Lisa my biggest piece of my support system. Mm-hmm. And yet she's not my accountability partner. Well, they can be a little different. They, they absolutely can be. And I think that's why it's important to identify here because she is my rock. You know, she is she has been the single most supportive person in my entire life. Probably just with her and my parents are the three most supportive people I've ever had in my life. And yet I can tell her I'm going to go out to do a workout, bail on it or change it or modify it, come back and explain why I did it. She was like, okay. She loves you unconditionally and I don't. Yes. Mine is contingent upon your performance and doing what you say. I'm comfortable coming home and explaining to her my rationale for why I quit a workout. And she's still going to allow me to be her husband and she's not going to cause waves on it. Correct. And you're not. (laughs) I'm not. Well, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. No, you're not. You are going to tell me exactly what I would need to hear in that situation. She will do that in most facets of our life. But as my workout accountability partner, that's just not the relationship we have. She supports and she doesn't judge too often on there. She does when she sees it long-term affecting me negatively, where you would judge me on every single workout. And so you are my accountability partner and she's not, she's my support system. And so you can't get by with just one. You have to have both factors of that. How many times have I bailed on a time trial or a big workout that I've told you about? Well, I know you did once for sure. What was that? That I can think of. I believe it was a 5k time trial. And what happened? I believe you got like two miles in and stepped up. One mile. One mile. It was on this cross country course. It was in December or January and there was snow on the ground. I thought, I'm just going to do it. And I got through one mile and it was so slow because of the terrain. I thought, this is stupid. It's not even worth it. I'm going to go do a different quality workout later. And I did. And I told you about it and you gave me shit for it. And Mm -hmm. so one in three or four years of knowing each other, I bailed on one workout where I told you about Mm-hmm. And I've probably bailed on 50% of the other time trials that I haven't told you about. After starting them or never starting them? Either or, all lumped together. If I mm-hmm. have it planned on the schedule over the last three years, I've probably done 50% of those that were scheduled. Only one of those has been one that I've announced to you. So let's play therapist here a little bit then. So what is the reason that you would bail? Because I think this is relatable because God, when when I put... I have testing weeks coming up for a lot of my athletes because we're working on some speed blocks and it's just a fun time of year to get spicy and run some PRs. And every time they see time trial week, I'm throwing mile and 5k in the same week at a lot of people right now. And it's this dread, like, Oh, I saw week four time trial week. Is it the, so this is a common scenario. You're not alone here. I think people could benefit from understanding your thought process. So what is it? My whole life, I've considered myself to be as tough as any person I've ever met when I'm in shape and doing well. Oh, you got to have that positive flow going. Yeah. When I know I'm in it and doing it, I will do whatever it takes within an inch of my life in order to accomplish that. And when I'm not confident or I'm not in great shape or I'm doing poorly in a race, I am as mentally weak as anyone I know. And my last three years, I've had a lot of things in them. And one of the common threads has been, I just haven't been remotely close to my really good feeling fitness. And with that, I have not had my confidence. And because of those two things, I am on shaky ground when it comes to those gut check moments in races and in workouts. And I know that. And that's where a lot of people are. Very few people walk around in really, really fantastic race fitness. 
And right. so the vast majority of the public are always feeling the way I'm feeling, which is if I'm having a bad day, I have a life outside this. I don't really need to commit to vomit today. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the worry for me is that if I don't tell you about it, when it reaches that decision point, I won't make the right decision. The The tough part about that is the gut check moments in workouts or time trials are so important because those gut check moments happen every time in a race you will make a decision either to stay in contact with that person in front of you or push past them to to overtake them or to let them slowly fade into the distance and give up or not make up that gap you lost in rolling mud or anything like that. And you're exactly right. If you can't keep your foot to the flame once in a while in training that way, how do you expect to do it in a race? And I know there's those few people who can show up on race day and they somehow they, you know, they outperform their workouts. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the vast minority of people. Yep. And so Bracken knows himself well enough to know that he needs to put out to the world that he's going to time trial. And yep. now he has to. And not only that, but people are going to ask how what the result was. And when Bracken's hurting a mile and a half into today, which you were, you knew that slowing down or laying off the throttle wasn't really an option because then you'd have to, you'd have to make those excuses to at least me or to somebody else. And yep. now you don't have to. Well, and it's, uh, it's, it's grease in the groove, right? We've talked about that concept. When you have a thought process or an action that you have practiced, it becomes routine and you don't even have to think as much to do it. And it works both ways. If you are used to making the gut check decision in the positive, on race day, you're not really making a decision. You're just following that pathway that's been established. And if you get to the point like I've got over the past three to four years where I back away, the decision's already been made. Yeah, there's that point where in the race, I think, well, this is that moment and I'm, I don't want it bad enough, but I'm not actually making the decision. I think I am, but that I made that decision already in training. And so the training block leading up determines how tough you are. And I decided that after this surgery, I was going to be the toughest athlete mentally I could possibly be. And it had to start with the first time trial. If I skip this one, I have not learned anything or improved in the last three years. Yeah. If you had to give yourself a grade today, Bracken, on the mental fortitude you displayed during your time trial, what would it be? I have to say it's a B plus or an A minus. Passing. F oh, is yeah. drop. F is dropping out. D. F is not even starting it. D is dropping. No, F is dropping out or not starting it. D is fading home and just letting it win the last half. C is just an average effort. B is like you started to hurt and you you sunk your teeth into it a little bit. <laughs> My lungs, chest, and heart hurt from 800 meters on. What was your heart? What did your max heart rate hit? Do you know? I didn't hit a crazy high heart rate. I think I wasn't fit enough to hit a great. <laughs> I hit 172 about 500 meters into the race, maybe 400 oh, meters, not right, which is yeah. high for me. B plus Bracken, congratulations. At least, if not an A minus. So I, I, I was running on a cardiovascular system that was not prepared to work anaerobically. What do you think would have happened if you didn't precede your time trial with the accountability stuff? I wouldn't have done it today. It was 30 degrees when I woke up this morning. And it's, it's drizzling here. We got actually snow flurries now. Is it sh- crummy? Today's weather? the first day it hasn't been raining. But I also okay. had to drive out to Lake Geneva today to pick up the kids' homeschool curriculum. So I had two hours of driving this morning. Mm-hmm. And I got out of the car and warmed up when I got home and did my workout. I would have got home and said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat. I just wouldn't have done it. Mm. Do you use that home uh, home mix and Duralite uh, Performalite? I did. <laughs> got that dialed in? Yep. 
Yeah, I had my yeah. fight out this morning. So what do you tell people then? So we have each other. Not everybody has those people or that network. Mm-hmm. What What are the first ways that people can go about this? Social media, right? You have to. Yeah. Because I'm not a social media fan, it's never the first thing that comes to mind. But I, I use it because it's there. And I think everyone can find one like-minded person in their life. And it might have to be an athlete. And it might not have to. It might be someone who's mentally tough as a businessman or woman, or as a parent, or as a motivational speaker, or just as someone who grinds their job, someone who goes and power lifts every single day, or body builds. Anyone who knows how to embrace the grind and knows how important daily decisions are. You find that one person and you start with them. I don't think it's the person that always tells you what you want to hear. I don't think it's the person or people who love you unconditionally. I think it's the people that you've had firm conversations with about stuff in the past, or I feel like it's the person who will tell you like it is. The people who aren't going to sugarcoat or fluff your feathers up unless it's warranted. I think I think we all have those people in our lives who, you know, we've had hard conversations with or important conversations with that can dig into that. I think those are the people the no excuse type people. Those are the ones I want as an accountability partner. I think it's interesting that when we started mm-hmm. accountability partners for each other, we were not necessarily close friends. I don't even know if we were friends yet. We were working together through leaderboard, but yeah. we had a working relationship and that was about it. I don't think we'd hung out yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'd maybe even truly like talked in person, but I knew that you weren't going to BS me. And I knew that you were going to throw whatever I needed to hear at me. Not what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to. So I didn't yeah. even turn to my best friend. I turned to the person that... He didn't even know that well. <laughs> well, that, that I knew well enough to know that they don't care how I feel. Yeah. And now I know you well, and we are good friends. And I still know that you don't care what my feelings are going to be. Well, no, I do, but... But you want me to hear the truth more than you want me to feel loved. Tough love, man. That's the way I got a couple of clients that are nodding their heads right now. I've had some firm chats with a number of them that I know, I know are just be like, yeah, that's, we've never had to have that though. Luckily, knock on wood. Yeah, and I probably, like, no, I didn't know about those time trials you missed out on Bracken. Nope. Everyone, we should make a promise right now, Bracken, every time trial that either of us do. Yeah. No matter what the conditions we need to let one another know about it. It's been, I can't even remember when it it was in the first half of us knowing each other. Since yeah, we yeah, started yeah. the podcast, I have not un, not failed to inform you of anything. So we know my process and I'm actually interested in flipping it back around on you because mm-hmm. you are one of the toughest workout runners I know. And I don't say that at, at the expense of your racing because you're gritty in a race as well, but we just haven't seen each other in races enough mm-hmm for me to really have a great feel on you as a racer i've watched you race twice i've raced against you maybe twice but in ter- three times i don't know yeah, yeah something like that yeah in terms of us being next to each other in a race it's happened one time i think i i think i tripped two or three times in front of you in that race didn't i i was yeah. from alabama i was a mess there but you also beat me convincingly no not in alabama. Oh, sorry florida 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 did yeah so okay we raced back-to-back times and you were you were tougher than i was in florida and that's probably the only reason you beat me there. We were running the exact same race. And then as the race wore on, you just kept your nose down to it. And I allowed myself to back off. So I guess I know you're a tough racer, but I mm. absolutely know you are nasty in workouts. And so from the outside, I think if I just had Kirk's workout mindset, man, I'd be different. And yet no one's a machine. 
And so I, I want to know your process. Yeah. A, do you face those struggles? And B, why? And what do you do? Well, first of all, I've always been a guy who um, I typically underperform my workouts in races. Anytime I do interval work that's shorter, I tend to be on the fast switch side. So if I had mile repeats or quarter mile repeats with short break, I can suck that up. But once I get my heart rate up and it stays up, same thing. I was an All-American in the 1500, but I was our seventh guy on the cross-country team. Granted, we were national champs, but I always struggled to sustain it over a long period of time. Explain that. I underperform my workouts in races. Yeah. So so I'm up what we'd call like a, and I suffer just as much in racing as I do in workouts, but I, I can have some really good workouts that can compete with anybody in the sport, any of the fast runners, anybody, uh, anybody top end in our sport, I feel like I could work out with when it's broken up into chunks, intervals, compromised work. When I have to extended period of time go out and race, which what racing is, it's 30 minutes to three hours, is when I struggle to hang on. Once my heart rate gets to a certain point, um, obviously I think my lactate threshold just needs to continue to improve, and it has. But point being, um, you so so first off, I think I'm just naturally better when I'm allotted small breaks and they work out. So that's part of it. Like my systems just work well that way. However, always has. I've been fit against you in workouts where we didn't take breaks and you've pounded me into the ground. Yeah, I suppose. And and you have the exterior that just doesn't look like it shows cracks during workouts. You just you you just even when we do have breaks or they're short breaks with long work, you're just always you physically always look dialed in. I told I had this conversation with a buddy of mine who I coach, Nick, Madison Nick, who still has your seat cover. Yeah, it does. Madison, Nick, come on, man. Um, and I told him this. I said, he's like, how are you so tough? Because I just, I don't cave. I don't make excuses and I don't cave. And I said, Nick, once you f- know how oh, good it is. I almost just threw up in my mouth. I threw up in my oh. mouth a little bit there. What do, you, what do you got going on there? It was my first post-workout burp. And I did work <laughs> really hard today. <laughs> are you all right? I'm okay. But I was kind of hunched over here while I burped and. I had get a little lactate, get a little water, stomach churn in my system today. I, I just had a little post-workout vomit burp. No, that's here because you're a home performer, elite mix. We all know it. <laughs> vomit burp. <laughs> I told my and I told my buddy Nick. I said, once you know how good it feels to win, nothing else seems to matter, including pain. And I think when you get a taste of what success feels like and that satisfaction of crossing a finish line and knowing, like, I actually left what I'm capable of out on the race course, you understand that that lead up was because of the work you had done up to that point and everything comes together. And so I'm really good at reminding myself in the moment, like you can either dial back or you can keep pressing. And the answer is always to keep pressing. And it all comes back to because I know how good doing well feels and I know how shitty not doing well feels as well. And so it always comes back to this. And I just had this conversation with an athlete of mine it comes back to your why. It really does. And I hate, it's like so cliche and it's fluffy to say like, what is your why? Why do you do this? Why do you get up at 4.30 in the morning to work out before work so you can still see the kids, go to work, do all these things that are like not even rational, right? Get six hours of sleep every night. You, but you lose sight of your reason to push if you don't have a why. Like, why do you really do this? Like a lot of people aren't even in touch with their why. Like, why are you doing this, Bracken? Why are you doing this person listening? Like Mick, you know, Mikhail Girillo, he's really good at, he's made a number of good posts about his why. I don't know if you followed him over the years. And I, and I buy into that principle. Like you're going to be, you're going to cut corners. You're going to not show up for yourself. You're going to not time trial. If you don't really know your why, 
What is your why? And so I'm one who's in touch with it. And that's probably why it is. So you have an internal accountability partner. Because I've clearly defined like like my why. And my why is simple. My why is I never, I do not want to be 60 or 70 years old or 80 or 90 on my deathbed and look back and wonder how could I good, how good I could have been at something. I can't tolerate that thought. And that starts with little decisions made every day along the way. And so that's simple enough. And then two, I am a much, much, much happier and more pleasant person to be around. It, it bleeds into my relationship. It bleeds into my personal training. It bleeds into everything. And I am a coward and I am a hypocrite if I cannot display those things myself and my own. That's the narrative I create. Mm-hmm. So I can bring it full back to my job, to my life, to reflecting when I'm older. And those are my whys. And I literally will be out there suffering or I got this 5k time trial that I don't want to do. And I say, no, you lead by example, Kirk. That's how you've always done it. And so that's my own narrative. I don't know what yours should be or what anybody else's, but I think it just comes back to that. And I've always led by example. I was captain of my soccer teams as a kid, cross country and track for my sophomore year on. And my coaches always said, you just lead by example, Kirk. I don't, you don't make excuses. And it's just been my, you know, aura. What would be your why Bracken? What would be, what would be yours? Well, I've had the wrong whys for several years. Mm-hmm. And I talk all the time about here on here about with these injuries, I've gone back through and re-examined all my training logs, all my data, all my past races. And the thing that struck me is how many missed opportunities I had because I wasn't prepared. We talked mm-hmm. about the Spartan Cruise the other day. That was a, a five to $7,000 payday that I blew because I wasn't in great shape going into that race. Mm-hmm. And it came out, I was having a great race, but it came out in that I was too tired to be focused as I need to be on the spear. And I missed out winning the world championship short course. I took, That's a, sorry, not to distract. That had to be one of the last spear throws you've ever missed. Yeah. I mean, I think I've only missed three or four spears in a decade now. Yeah. You had a couple of years where you didn't miss any. I haven't missed any in two years. Not done with again. Keep going. Sorry. But I, I was so so running above my head that day. And I'm the opposite of you. My workouts don't predict how I race. I've always yep. taken pride in over racing my workouts. Mm-hmm. But over time, that morphed into permission to underperform in workouts, which is a whole other issue that I'm addressing. But yep, I had a short course world championship Spartan hosted one time ever, and I took second place. And only because I went out and talked myself out of the race, before the race even started. And I didn't even start racing until halfway through the race. Mm. Who beat you? Hunter. Damn. Man. Hunter won. Convincingly. But I was never in it. And I missed out. I don't know. So many times throughout my career, there's been something that I wasn't prepared for because I hadn't put in consistent work. And my why now is that I'm sick and tired of showing up, either knowing I already dug myself a hole or knowing that, well, I believe in my excuses right now more than I believe in my ability to win. So my why is simply to never again have a race or a competition of any type that shows up that I can't say yes to with full confidence that I'm out there to do it and win it. Ready at all times. Ready. Even if I'm in a certain sort of cycle of training, I need to know that the body of work I've put in tells me I can go right now and throw down within an inch of my life and know that it will be worth it. Just no more missed opportunities. I think you're being a little hard on yourself in the sense that, I mean, you've been dealing with injury consistently. Even prior to that, I'm talking back to 2012. I missed opportunities through um, in amongst successes. I had misses 
that other people, Hunter's the ultimate example, he has not missed an opportunity because he's stayed in shape. He hasn't missed an opportunity in any race he's showed up to that I can think of in history. No. A, he doesn't show up unless he's fit. But B, he's always fit, so he doesn't have to make that decision. He plans his races very accordingly. He does. But I have had races on my schedule that I've been 18 weeks out from, and I'm about to start this block, and then 15 weeks out, and now's a good time. Well, it's Thursday, so I'm going to wait till Monday. Monday, I'm going to start, and suddenly I'm three weeks out, and it's like, well, shoot, this race is done. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan on this conversation going this direction, but I think we're going to have to create this episode accountability and finding your why, because they go hand in hand in my book, and it's a conversation I have with athletes, clients, myself, all the time, and... If you don't have an accountability partner, creating an an accountability plan regardless is super important. I tell people to write their why in their training logs. Come up with a one sentence why and write it on the front of your training log or in it, for example. Put it on, uh, they can write me a paragraph of their why, but I want one sentence that you have to look at every fucking day. And that, for example, could be your accountability partner when you have to look at it or when you open your Strava or something like that. What are you smiling about? Because you... You're, you're, you're saying all the things that I needed to hear this entire time. This is the yep. first training block I've done that for since 2015. I have it written down. Now, we haven't even discussed this. Oh, you do? Words on every single page right now. What is it? Be the storm. Be the storm. Yeah, there's this, there's this in, in the last uh, Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. foolish, right? It is already. Yeah, go ahead. In the last Mission Impossible movie, they do this like code word back and forth. And it doesn't even matter why it's happening. It's just the phrase wouldn't leave my mind. And it goes, fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior whispers back, I am the storm. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And so it's, and, and I realized that I watched that movie on the flight home from Fenway Park last year after having an, like an hour long heart to heart with Kent, where he just gave me some tough love and said, hey man, no one cares that you're at races anymore. No one's worried that you're at the start line. We used to not want to come to stadium races because we knew what was going to happen to us. And now we don't care because we know we're going to give it to you. Mm. And then I watched that movie and the, the phrase just jumped out at me. Like I have spent the last three years dreading the storm. Mm. When in reality, I need to be the storm. Yeah, yeah I need to yeah. be the one that people dread rather than wondering what are all these guys about to do to me in this race? I want to show up knowing that they all know what I'm about to do to them. And so mm. just that whole mindset shift. I love it. Be the storm. Don't huddle down and wait for how bad is the storm going to damage you. Go out and do some damage. I like that. I, and I like that. I like that simple, what that all represents. That's awesome. Reminds me of uh, your, oh, we both coached him now, Marquette Shumate, uh, hard to kill hashtag to kill. On, every, on everything he does. That would yeah. be a good example. But, um, okay, so not that we got sidetracked, but that was important. So And it feeds into each other. They f- oh, they 100% your feed. why and your accountability partner feed off of each other, and one allows you to really delve into the other. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to be the type of person that is not living a life of hypocrisy. And I know that sounds really ridiculous to say, but you can – you can fire shots and you can call shots and you can call people out and you can be called out and you can do If you just lead by example, if you are someone who is that person in other people's lives, who they look to and say, that person is tough as nails and create that facade for yourself. You are that guy, that girl. That's enough for most people. Like, screw it. Rewrite your story. You're tough as nails. Like it's not, 
I mean, I, I'm making it sound, you know, like a little fluffy there when I'm just, it's, it's easy to talk in theory, but like you can go out and practice that no problem. And so I think, I think the point of this all is like one, there's ways to hold yourself accountable. Right. And that is don't forget about why the hell you're doing this. And then two, even on top of that, even the fact that I feel like my why is strong, that I do hold myself accountable. I still reach out to Bracken. The last time trial I did, I reached out to you. The last time I did an hour time trial on the assault bike, I reached out to you. Mm -hmm. I've done it too because I still need Your 100 mile bike ride you reached out. 100 mile bike ride. I said, I'm going to head out. Exactly. So have you. We've done good. Even though we may be in different places there, I'm not perfect, by the way. I have had my weak moments. But so covering both of those bases, I just think goes such a long way. And and I think you should you should grab your phone right now if you're listening and you should reach out to an athlete that maybe you don't even know that well. I'm sure you got phone numbers in from races and you should say, hey, let's hold each other accountable from now until February. And then or start a group chat with people that you know that you don't normally create a dialogue with. And like quit living in your own little bubble and, and start, you'll be surprised what it will do those yeah, I've said a million times that one big goal is the sum of a lot of small goals reached along the way and time trialing, little things like hitting your workouts. Hey, I need to get up in the morning to get my workout in because I didn't get it done. I'm noticing I'm getting stuck at work and not getting them done at night, for example. So you text your buddy and say, hey, I'm sending you a text at 4 a.m. telling you I'm awake. Simple as that. Those little things go a long way. So I don't know how else to tell you to do it other than to like start the conversation with. Yeah. And you have to choose somebody that isn't compromised emotionally by you. You have to choose someone that doesn't care how you're going to react to the words they tell you. Mm -hmm. You have to you have to almost choose in a uh, sadomasochistic <laughs> in a sadomasochistic way where you are actually looking to be hurt by this a little bit. I choose Kirk because I know he will not hesitate to hurt my feelings. I have friends who, if I say, "Hey, man, I bailed on it," they'd say, "Yeah, hey, man, time trials are tough. That second mile is it, it's it's it'll get you." And I have Kirk who'll be like, don't be a puss bracket. You need to go do it tomorrow. Hunter would be good for that too. And Hunter is great for it. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what you would tell me. And that's exactly what Hunter would tell me. And it's what I need to hear. And that's why you choose it. You choose someone who doesn't mind hurting your feelings. Yeah. Well, the tough love thing goes a long ways. And I'll tell you what, like the hardest lessons learned or the things you find most value out of are also the stickiest conversation. I mean, how many people are you close with that you've had really tough conversations or you've gotten tizzies with, and then you've chatted it out and then you, your relationship goes to another level, right? Like you get a better understanding of yeah. each other and, and you want that person that, that just gives it to you straight. I've been told, you know, the people that have given me the tough conversations that, that have said, Kirk, you can do better. It's been in life. It had been at work and jobs plenty past are probably the people that have my most respect. Mm -hmm. And I hated them in that moment. What an asshole for talking to me like that or thinking that they know me and put me in my place. And yet now, and, and yet I still crave that sort of like firmness. So anyways, I agree with you on that 100%. You want somebody that's going to tell you like it is. And those are the conversations that stick in your mind throughout the years. The compliments I've received in my life are not in my mind anymore. It's so true, isn't no it? No matter how good they feel in the moment, I cannot tell you who told me what over the years. But I remember when Ryan Kent sat down with me in the in the seats in Fenway. And I remember when Hunter called me and lit into me. Like those moments that I was offended for the first 10 minutes of the conversation and then left the conversation knowing there was some truth there. And two days later, I was super grateful and called them to tell them 
I, I, you get a, co a compliment, you love it in the morning, you, or you love it that day, you might love it in the morning, and then it's gone and you're on. It took me 48 hours to come to terms with Ryan Kemp's conversation with me. I respect that he had that conversation with you. Were you looking for that conversation from him, or did he go out of his way? He Were you expressing frustration, I assume, and then he dove into it? Yeah, I was expressing, expressing some frustration. He'd asked me a few questions, and he... It had to have been super apparent because he is someone who lives in his head as well. Mm. He's one of those guys that thinks his way through his process. And the sign it had to, I had to have a sign on my forehead that just said, no confidence, no commitment, <laughs> no follow through, no why. Like it was just flashing there. And he saw it and he said, Hey man, I'm just gonna tell you. And then he started. It hurt and then it rang true. And then it hurt some more. And within 48 hours, I was like, Yep. This is one of those moments that's going to define what I do moving forward, or it's going to illuminate if I don't make the decision. If I don't make the, the decision, this conversation is going to haunt me every single time I don't do it because he illuminated. I can't hide from it anymore. He made it so painfully clear in a nice, respectful way, but in a blunt way. He made it so clear that there was no hiding from it anymore. So now if I don't do it, I'm actively choosing to be worse. Mm, that's a good one. Those in those conversations will stick for years. And this is a guy that I'm going to try to rip his head off next year in the series. Like if yeah. I accomplish, if I do what he told me to do and I accomplish my goal, it comes at his expense. And yep. he, he cared enough about me to maybe put his own race into a bit of peril. And it certainly is going to make his race more painful, even if he beats me next year, because I won't be the same athlete that I was mm -hmm. the year before. A good friend isn't somebody who rubs your back every time something doesn't go right. A good friend is is someone who tells you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. Um, I like that. I like that example actually. Um, well, and it and and not that if you don't know it, like a somewhat of like a friend who's going to do that to you, like at least start the conversation with others who have the same passion and who need to keep you know keep their foot to the flame here. These next. Gosh, we got see a potentially six plus months of like just training and no real things on the calendar and things like that. So creating accountability groups, whether it's a Facebook group or starting again, send that text, fire it off, shoot a message to somebody and say, hey, let's let's work together. You'd be surprised. I mean, Bracken and I started this, you guys, just being each other's buddy and talking about stuff like this and holding each other accountable. And look what it turned into. Like I was an athlete of yours, Bracken, and now we're rolling with this podcast. Like it led into like something even more special, you know? And so you never know where those conversations will lead, you know? And so I just say, start them. Listen, I'm targeting April for my, my start of my season. All signs yeah. point to, I need to be fit by April to take advantage of whatever pop, uh, opportunities pop up, mm -hmm. which means February to, to be safe. But so we just give ourselves five months. You can be a different person in five months. And you have five months to practice this. You can burn through a couple accountability partners until you find the one that's your, like your, your soulmate of accountability. The one who's going to be your Kirk or your Bracken, who's just going to tell you what you need to hear or your Ryan Kent or your Hunter. The one who will strip you bare of excuses and just hit you with hard truth. You have five months to find that and practice it every single workout and be a different animal when your races start up. I think you can do it in five days. I think you just need okay. to shift your you just need to shift your mindset and you need to re you know you need to commit to the process or recommit. It's it's such a such a gray time for everybody right now with I got athletes with all sorts of motivation levels right now and all sorts of random goals that we're deciding to make for ourselves and navigating this right now is just like a little sticky for a lot of people. So 
um, a lot of it is just like making the decision to commit to something mm -hmm. and telling somebody about it, whether it's a process, whether it's a goal, Hey, I want to get fast the 5k by December. I'm going to do it. Let's be accountable. And, you know, just having some sort of purpose, um, can be, that's a mindset shift. And it's not tomorrow. It's not Monday. It's not next training cycle. It's right now. Even if you have nothing left in your day, go do a grip workout, do, go do a core workout, go to bed a half hour earlier, go write down your training mantra, whatever it is, it starts the second you hear this, not the next opportunity you have for it to go wrong. You build in the process before it has the opportunity to blow up in your face again. It's true. Well, I tell people all the time and uh, you know, my clients at the gym, it's like, I got, a, I got a few people starting right now that want to lose 100 pounds. You know, they need to lose 100 pounds and they get so caught up in the overall process. Like 100 pounds, like I only lost a half a pound this week. Like I'm going to give up. Like this is, what am I even doing here? And they get lost in the big scheme of things and they forget about, no, it's like, what time am I going to set my alarm in the morning? What am I going to have prep for breakfast? What workout am I going to do? How am I going to plan to say no to the cupcakes brought to the office? Then how am I going to eat my lunch? Like it's every little decision along the way. And if you don't have a process or somebody to hold you accountable or something to that, then in May, you're going to be in the same boat that you were maybe last year, which would be disappointed in your racing. It's a sum of all parts. And you got to break it down into that simple. And part of that, you know, my clients have me to talk to my client, your clients have you to talk to. Not everybody does. And so creating that network is just the way to go. I, I don't know if we're trying to convince you to get an accountability partner or tell you to finally reach out or to find your why. I don't know what the heck we're telling you, but it's just, I feel like a message that needs to be talked about, needs yeah. to be heard. And I'm so glad you talked about the weight loss process. Because just like you don't wake up one day and you're like, wow, yesterday I was fit and today I am 80 pounds overweight. It's a series of little decisions that that lead to you waking up one morning and being like, oh, this is a problem now. 100%. I knew it was building, but suddenly, wow, this is a problem. The same thing happens with undoing our problems. It's not that mm -hmm. you're going to wake up one day and be like, hey, I'm cured. It's I decide right now to start the reverse process and every little bit along the way undoes the process until that day you wake up and realize, well, I haven't even thought about that in two weeks. I haven't even missed missed a, a diet day in, in two weeks or I haven't missed a workout in two weeks or I haven't even considered bailing on a time trial in two training cycles. Those happen because of right now. Mm -hmm. Eventually it becomes brushing your teeth. Just it just does, but mm -hmm. yeah, you can't just like snap your fingers and, and make it happen, folks. Find your why if you're struggling with that front. Write it down. Send out a text or a message or create an accountability system. Don't don't pioneer this alone. There's no reason to do it. You will get more out of this. Make yourself a little vulnerable. Hold yourself accountable. Have somebody else hold you accountable, and um, I think you will set yourself up for success next year. Kirk, th this I, I like seeing you and your 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 pathway that you've done a lot in your in your absolute element running's your element but motivation accountability is absolutely your your element and it's really cool to see i see, they can't see you right now but you've got a different fire in your eyes when this stuff yeah. comes up because you live this every every day that's it's awesome right. anyways Thanks. i'm gonna close with a little pitch for hunter ocr stars is coming up if you haven't signed up yet go do it i get a lot of messages is it going to happen will it really go off it's happening there's, there's no chance it won't. He's going to put it on no matter how much money he makes or loses. So go sign up and this is your accountability start. OCR Stars is going to hurt. You have to run two time trials and do two nasty wads. Go sign up and do it and start right now. Get to it, guys. The end.